Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to One Mic. And tonight, we'll talk about it all. We'll talk about uh, Brady at the last minute, not going to the White House. What's going on with that? Trump didn't even acknowledge him. We're going to talk about Aaron Hernandez and the tragedy that uh, that uh, happened um, recently. He took his life and just the whole story and how we got there. Um, and then we have an opportunity uh, tonight to uh, learn what it's like when a young, promising fighter is on his way towards the uh, UFC. It's kind of a rare look into someone as they're debuting, which um, I'm excited about. And the NBA playoffs are here. It's been a crazy, crazy, crazy run so far. Uh, this is a one mic special. Let's get it. Radio. This thing right here is for my people's Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. Devon dropped Yes, 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 today. Love Talk Radio. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And if you can do that, then the people talk a lot about their training staff. Love, love, Yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, welcome to RSG One Mic. And this is just D. Wilson. Tonight, uh, it's kind of a special opportunity. Uh, we're going to be interviewing um, Alton Cunningham, uh, MMA rising star, beginning his uh, pro debut, his pro career, um, uh, done really well in the amateur ranks. And, um, you know, um, a lot of folks that I'm talking to seems that this is a person that he puts it all together. Uh, we may see uh, at the UFC. Um, I've had a chance to get to know him as I was doing my training and trying to be part of uh, this effort between RSG and ESPN at Carbonwell Health and just looked over at this young man who just trained hard and just very nice and learned a little bit more about the fact that he um, is someone that could be a rising star. So he is going to be debuting in uh, Minnesota 
uh, pro debut in Minnesota this week. And, you know, you just a rare kind of sense of someone who's kind of beginning a journey. And, I, you know, here at RSG, we like to catch them on the way up and kind of get a sense of what that journey is uh, all about. Um, and so he will be joining us, uh, uh, joining me through in this podcast. I look forward to that interview, um, uh, talking to him. As, as, as always, the host and all callers are brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the that Real Sports guys sent you. Um, and also, you know, when you have a chance, check us out on iTunes and, uh, you know, love to get those reviews. Um, you know, love to get five stars. It's been great. Um, I had a chance to go to the uh, uh, Buckingham Awards. It's uh, UW, uh, the Badgers kind of awards for the athletic department. They do a really good job with that. And um, one of the folks over there, uh, one of the staff members, uh, told me he had a chance to listen to the show and thought, thought it was a great podcast. So we're picking up a lot of different listeners uh, from around the country, and uh, it's love to get that feedback. We've been grinding since 2010 and uh, beginning to turn the corner and get momentum. So we appreciate that. Appreciate the way that you have been supporting us. Uh, I know my guys Marcus and uh, Phil and Hank and RJ and all the other folks, Justin and everybody else who's contributed to our journey appreciates when we have folks listening in and providing us feedback. Um, you can catch us uh, on all our social medias, uh, Real Sports Guys, um, and uh, we're on uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and so you know we're gonna be launching something on Snapchat here soon. So you know we love to engage you in the social network, the social uh, um, network space. So um, and continue the conversation beyond the podcast, and we'll have other ways that we're gonna be trying to create communities uh, using some different um, new solutions here. Um, you know, over the next uh, year, so you'll hear more. But we love, we love the movement that has that's happening. You know, as as the game changers coined it, the resistance. Now we hear a whole bunch of other folks using it. But if you if you if you clock the catalog, it came out of our space first. And, you know, now we're hearing on larger platforms. But that's just kind of how we get down, man. We kind of like we kind of like the uh, sway and tech of sports radio. That's kind of how we do. We set these trends to underground, and you kind of hear it in the mainstream. Uh, tonight, wow, there's a lot going on today. You know, we woke up, uh, many of us who checking out the news found out that, um, that, um, you know, Hernandez, um, you know, took his life. Um, Aaron Hernandez, I mean, if you think about how they've chronicled his career, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of coverage, it's, it's weird, a lot of coverage by ESPN. He grew up in that area in Connecticut, you know, um, big-time high school star. Um, father was very influential from understanding in the community and that guides. And people are kind of really, when they look at the timeline, connecting a lot of where he started to spin out of control when his father passed away. And, um, and you know, the tragedy of this story is, you know, not only the lives that are lost associated with, um, with, uh, with Aaron, whether he did it or not, um, you know, he was just recently acquitted for the uh, the, the double murder, double homicide. Uh, but I think it was obviously he was there at the space of being in the place. But, you know, when you chronicle a journey like this and where things went wrong, you can usually identify specific points 
in a trajectory where intervention would have been very helpful. Um, and this is where, you know, we uh, have such a passion about the role that folks should play in sports. I think about my own life and a lot of folks I grew up with, and there was a distinct difference between uh, those of us who continued in team sports and were, were occupied, our time was occupied between three and seven, and you were just too tired to do something like I mean, we look at the trajectory, I think, of some of my friends um, who, whether they came from, you know, broken homes or very solid nuclear homes, I saw young folks who who found themselves in, you know, brief trouble in, in a lot of different things because, I don't, you know, I don't time, I don't mind, you know, it's devil, devil's playground in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. And so, uh, but for him, you know, he was playing and then, but he was hanging in this space with a crowd and making some decisions and things that could be chronicled even back to high school and then his early college career. And, um, you know, uh, when they had an opportunity to discipline that in a way for him to understand and learn and grow, but what, you know, you start to think about it, this stuff was just kind of um, accepted momentum. So small things build into bigger things that then uh, uh, cause you problems later on in life. But they started somewhere where somebody could have checked, you know, is that ass not here to check, but there's there are the other figures. Um, you think about the role that Urban Meyer could have played. You know, I know they were going for a national championship, but sometimes championship, but sometimes there's opportunities for lessons. And when I think about mixing, and a lot of people were talking about mixing, um, you know, when I think about uh, uh, what Bob Stoops did by having him sit out his freshman year, somebody who was going to start and play as a freshman, and people say, well, it was basically a red shirt. No, when you are a top player coming out, kind of expected to play, to sit out a year when you've never had to sit out, when you've been the big dog, that's a blow to your ego. And there's sometimes you have to just remind people that there are priorities in life. There's some things that you got to do. And for, you know, you know Bob Stoops to, to be able to do that in a moment, even in the context of how we talk about big-time sports and all the other reasons why people do it, I think was an important kind of intervention. You take one thing that somebody really loves. And, um, you know, I think – you saw him making some changes immediately. Now, he's going to be scrutinized in this NFL draft. What he did was uh, heinous and not appropriate as a young person, making mistakes. But Bob Stoops was saying, if you're going to be here, we got to get you to understand that that's not going to be okay. You're going to grow. And that means you got to sit out. Yeah, we'd love to have you on the field, but we can't have you on the field. And people say, well, it's political pressure, whatever. Whatever caused him to do it, that young man had to sit out. And I think when I think about Hernandez, some of that intervention, some of those things that need to happen early in life, you know, this culture of just being able to just look away for wins um, creates all kinds of um, uh, uh, decision-making and this kind of false sense of control that ends up resulting in sometimes, you know, not always death, but resulting in uh, people uh, having behaviors that, that um, uh, that at the end of the day, um, not only hurt themselves but hurt people around them. And you know, you look at the, the devastation of uh, a fiance that no longer has somebody there, and, and a daughter that doesn't have a father, and a loss of life um, um, uh, in terms of uh, Olin. You know, all these different things, all these families who have been affected by this stuff um, at a time they can do. 
you know, a lot of his former teammates um, who uh, are taking hard, um, are being criticized for taking hard. And it seems like, you know, when you look inside Hernandez's life, on one side, I've been reading a lot about it, on one side, this was a guy that you could see him with kids and doing all this stuff, and, they, you know, his energy and his ability to connect was uh, incredible in, in his charisma, his caring for kids. And, you know, and then 24 hours later, you know, he was like Cole Young. And that complexity, that duality that people live, is that shift from one thing to another is tells you in some ways that, you know, there's a life that he really wanted to live and had to be reinforced. Um, but there wasn't a, you know, there wasn't somebody putting the checks and it, it balances in. When you make a forty million, it's all out the window at that point. And so it's like this is this, this is a story that's tragic in so many ways. Um, uh, that you know, um, you know, I hope there's some lessons that we can learn and how we work upstream when we see certain behavior with some of our student athletes. Um, no matter how gifted they are. You know, this is where the power of undergraduate education and what we need to be investing in these young people play out. And when football coaches and, and, and athletic departments begin to understand this kind of investment pays off on the field as well. Like when you make this kind of investment, you know, one of the things that just frustrates me is when people talk about time and schedule. I mean, Chris and Borland and I were going, who I'm calling, every time I talk about Chris Borland, I'm calling him next president. <laughs> this guy is just unbelievable. He's smart and everything. So, when you debate with a guy like that, this is a guy that's really sharp and uh, really appreciates uh, have gotten to know him a little bit um, and um, seeing it. But one of the things, this idea of time and everything else, it, to me, is priorities. You know, one of the things I've always said is that you can't be a, a college athlete unless you have a degree classification. That means you have to be identified as a student first on a track before you can even get on the field. So that tells you where the priority should be. And I think part of the problem is um, uh, we haven't clearly worked and articulated with coaches the benefit of this kind of development and how can then play well on the field. One of the things I really – and the irony of this is, is, is this point I'm about to make is about the Patriots is they did a study on the, on the, on the folks with, who, had, who had the most uh, bachelor degree uh, recipients. And the, New England had the most people with bachelor's degrees. And part of this is, like, in the educational process, there's a maturity, there's a whole bunch of pieces that come together that allow for these athletes to see a bigger and greater world intellectually. And I, I, I would argue that that does then play well in the field. I mean, I think, you know, you know growing intellectually and everything else, I think makes you a better football player, um, allows you to take on more information, allows you to see things, analyze. All that stuff is good. And so that lack of investment, in that growth, I think even costs programs. Um, I think I think when when cats understand they can do more in their life and grow in their life, they're probably less likely to leave sometimes um, because they know they can make it in other ways, um, and so they might invest a little bit more. So um, I just think that um, this is an example of you know as we look at this, how we work upstream about where there could have been an intervention in ways that were really simple would have maybe changed the trajectory of, of his life. And to, to have it in like this, that's just a tragedy in all different ways. It just was an incredible scene to see that this was a, a young man that was making an incredible impact in the NFL and then 
just had gotten this big salary in, in a split second had already been. And these are things that he inflicted on himself. Um, but um, a lot of it comes in, um, these things don't happen by chance. <laughs> these things just don't happen. And there's opportunities for us to have an impact uh, on, on folks, um, particularly stars like this who have always been it, to really mold them in a way that understands their greater responsibility and that, in that your job isn't to, 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 to go back to the hood to be the hood. Your job is to be raising cats out of it. <laughs> your job is to be building their capacity. It's not for you to be pulled back in. It's how can you build capacity of cats you with and raise them out. If they ain't ready to come out, then you gotta you got to spin yourself out of it. It doesn't mean you can't have fun, but how do you manage that, your identity in all those different spaces? we got to be better about that. You know, I love to be able to get uh, – at some point, uh, one of my guys who just took on one of these roles um, around kind of uh, 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 kind of player engagement and development, uh, my, my guy Lamar uh, Campbell um, is with uh, the Bears. I love to have him come on and talk about this because this is something I think would be really important to talk about with some of these folks who are working in the NFL on helping people acclimate and set themselves up outside of the game. Um, I think the NFL teams are understanding the importance of this because they're making this incredible investment. You know, some of these things that should be happening at the college level, I think the NFL is realizing they got to do more of that now because, frankly, college folks are not investing in this kind of stuff. And so the NFL is believing that teams are realizing they got to do this kind of stuff. You, you learn from what the Cats at the 49ers were doing um, uh, with some of their athletes. And so in terms of building the capacity, the Cats who went on to get advanced degrees, the way in which they involve families, you know, that's, you know, it's not a coincidence when you have people like Harry Edwards involved in your organization thinking about the capacity development of, of uh, folks who came through the 49ers. It wasn't, wasn't a, 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 a coincidence that they won so much in, in, in the capacity and how people grew um, uh, in those spaces. So, you know, hey, uh, you know, it went down like that. We're going to have to just uh, um, uh, continue to uh, hope that, uh, we can catch this stuff earlier and that it does not end like this. So then we turn to his former team that was at the White House and everybody's speculating about, you know, how they might engage. And, you know, and Patriots, you know, as they do, just kept going and saying, you know, they weren't going to make any comment on it. But, you know, I have been giving folks a hard I have been giving much time, Brady. Everybody knows, I, you know, I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan fan, love Brady, but had been a little bit off on this, uh, on how kind of how he – was handling this presidential stuff, you know, he, he couldn't go see Obama, but, you know, all of a sudden it was putting pressure on folks to go see Trump and, um, you know, uh, you know, he, he, he had a cold or something, you know, when it came to go last time, but this time he's going to figure out how to go. And then last minute he had other, he had a family obligation, which I can understand. Mother's having cancer. He's doing something, you know, but backed out <laughs> killer was <clears throat> Trump wasn't having it. Trump, Trump spoke, did his little presidential thing, never mentioned Brady's name. So I think he felt slighted. I thought that was your guy, Trump. You know, recognize that he had things going on. You know, you should have said it, you know, recognize it. He tried to uh, recognize Amendola, and Amendola wasn't even there. You know, so it seemed like it was a little bit of a mess. Uh, but um, uh, they ended up uh, getting through it. <laughs> and it's going to be crazy to see how some of these presidential, you know, going to the White House, how some of this stuff, especially as they get to the basketball and uh, what happens at the end of this season. But, you know, this trip with the the Patriots wasn't as clean 
as I thought, he, you know, he praised obviously Kraft and Belichick and uh, there's so many nuances around this uh, kind of stuff. And, um, you know, uh, what's the role of going, who should go and whatnot. But uh, for Brady to pull out last minute, because I was hitting him before on Twitter, um, he, uh, he ended up making his way uh, there. So, um, you know, I, um, uh, uh, I'm going to be surprised that, um, you know, what he might do uh, in terms of his press conference when people ask him about it. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. Um, uh, and uh, I'm going to laugh uh, to kind of hear his answers, but he'll come up with something. But I think he realized <clears throat> late in the game that uh, it probably wasn't the best move uh, to make. Well, you know, we're going to take a break here um, and come on back uh, in a few minutes. And uh, we're going to hit on a couple of topics before uh, our man Alton Cunningham joins us, you know, rising star in MMA, starting uh, doing his uh, debut this weekend in Minnesota. And, you know, we want to <clears throat> get an understanding of what it's like when you enter and begin, kind of catching before they're up. You know, a lot of times we interview them when they, when they made it, uh, but you don't get them when they're kind of coming out and kind of entering that journey. So um, we're going to take time to, to learn that and, and get caught up. Uh, we'll take a short break here. All right, we're all the way up. We're back. This is RSG in the building. One mic uh, would be Wilson in the building. Um, 
we're going to be in a, in a little bit interviewing um, Austin Cunningham. He's a, a rising star uh, in MMA coming up. Uh, young man, I had a chance to meet uh, during my training sessions at Carbon World Health. And, you know, when you look at somebody like this, you know, this is a kid, you know, there's an it about him. Um, and he's learning and trying to figure it out. And I begin to understand that, um, you know, when you're trying to get out on this uh, this run to try to do MMA um, and you're in the amateurs, it's a hard road how you have to negotiate these things moving up. I had a chance to go to my first MMA event uh, in Madison. Dr. Rodriguez is a fight uh, doctor for boxing and um, uh, MMA at the state level. So it was an opportunity to kind of see it from a different side. And uh, so I just want to talk to him. You know, he's getting ready for his debut, and, you know, uh, he's been fighting the amateur side of it. Um, you know, uh, won, uh, I think, a title on that amateur side. They they, they recognize there that they're now moving into professional ranks. And, um, you know, it's just a, probably a different feeling for him uh, to be able to do that. So we'll have a chance to meet and talk to, talk to him a little bit and have him share his story a little bit um, here. Um but, you know, for a minute here, I want to talk a little about the NBA playoffs. You know, things are going on. You know, um, Isaiah Thomas, uh, whose uh, sister passed away, um, really battling back quite a story. But, you know, Celtics are down 0-2. And out of nowhere, the Bulls, who kind of looked like they were in shambles for most of the year, um, kind of bringing it back. And the crazy thing about it is we uh, are, um, you know, kind of getting a, um, you know, it's kind of a back to the future kind of mode. Rondo looking like old Rondo. Um, it looked like they reconciled. Um, you know, they kind of, they're getting the, the big, their big threes putting it together. You even had uh, Wade coming there late in the game. Uh, he ended up with about 22 in the game, and then Butler doing his thing. Um, and it, it just got me thinking about Boston. And, you know, a lot of people are critical about him. But, you know, I think one of the things I struggle with with Boston is, um, and this is where I struggle with that kind of um, uh, Atlanta Hawks Boston Celtics kind of uh, – and Boston a little less this way because they have Isaiah as a go-to guy, but this kind of uh, winning by committee. And people get excited about that. Uh, but what they felt, a lot of that model is built off of, um, you know, the Pistons did it. Um, you know, obviously uh, San Antonio has done it. But the thing you miss with both the Pistons and San Antonio is that uh, when it's money time, they got go-to guys. Like, it's clear. And their go-to guys are as aggressive as any go-to folks in the league. You know, so you think about it. You got Chauncey Big Shot Billups. <laughs> you know, you got, that's a guy who sounds like he, he's going he's gonna to get after it. You got Rip Hamilton. You got guys who, uh, money time, they're going to put it together. They're going to have big games. Um, same thing. Uh, with the Spurs, Ginobili and uh, Parker. And so, yeah, there's a lot of sharing, but when it's money time, Kawhi going to deliver. And, you know, in a game, like when you have a guy like Isaiah going through what he's going through, um, you have to – If you, this is why you brought Horford in. You cannot let Robin Lopez – slow you down. Like Chuck said, Robin Lopez is the kind of cat that you should be sending in the limo to go get just to make sure he gets to the game. This is a game that Horford should have 35 points and 15 rebounds. Like he said, I, he said, like, I got to pick it up because I know Isaiah's going to need it. I got to carry the load until he can get ready. 
And this is why you bring a guy like Horford in. And when he is not playing and getting dominated like that, that's who I blame. Because you don't pay that much money for a guy like that to come in and for him not to deliver. And so, you know, as I think about the playoffs, as I think about uh, money time, it's a different time. You've got to find out who the dogs are. And I think the problem that Boston has is they built a regular season on sharing and assists and everything else. But when it comes to playoff, you've got to have who's your alpha. And, it, and you've got to have more than one. And uh, we know Isaiah is going to do what he has to do to get in there, but you paid Horford superstar money to deliver on times like this, and he's not giving you anything. You know, and now, you know, you hear people, you know, Brad Stevens was like the talking toast of the town. Everybody's talking about it. Now we got folks talking about getting rid of him. And he's like 2-10 and 10 in his playoffs. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's that. Um, but I, I do think that he's being failed by uh, a couple of cats who should be stepping up. And so, you know, they get, they're going to take the series back to Chicago. And, you know, we're going to see what happens at that point um, in terms of, um uh, of, uh, 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 you know, what they can do. But they got to do it now, you know. You know, talk about must-win kind of situation. This is a must-win situation in Chicago. They got to bring it. They got to bring the noise. And then we got the Greek freak out of Milwaukee doing his thing, the future, and uh, against Toronto. And Toronto got some of the same issues. They, they are very one-dimensional at times. And when you're playing against a long team like the Bucks. Um, you know, they're they going to they gonna bring it. And so, you know, Jason Kidd is building what I'm calling a, a Utah jazz style of system and program uh, in Milwaukee uh, where they got, they're finding their superstars, small market. They're going to try and build around that, have a philosophy in the way they're going to play, and they landed the right guy. Hopefully they can hold on to him. But I think they're building something there with Middleton and some of the other guys stepping up. Um, you know, Parker got hurt, but, um, you know, He's building something there with a superstar like that. And um, in a first-round series like this, you want to, if they can push them, if they can win, that's great. But if they can really push them to the brink, that's even that's as good as, in terms of the maturation of the program, that's a really good place to go as well. And so this, that's going to be a battle in the series uh, as well. And so a lot's happening in the NBA. You know, we're going to get to it a little bit later um, uh, to, 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 to talk about it. Uh, but as I promised, uh, our feature interview tonight, is a young man that I had a chance to uh, connect with. Uh, as y'all y'all know about my my challenge uh, that I'm going through um, over there at the Carbon World Health. You know, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get down with these cats from ESPN and trying to break them, uh, trying to win this challenge. And uh, had a chance to meet this young man and just watch him work and just he also was very encouraging to me. But uh, from talking to um, some of the uh, folks there, they said, oh, he's got a promising career. And so um, when he told me his fight was coming up, his pro debut was coming up, I said, we got to get him on. And so we got my man, Alton Cunningham, on. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. How you doing? All right, man. We, it's, it's good to have you here, man. And, uh, you know, one thing that was really – it was really great to, to have you on because we rarely get to talk to someone as they're beginning their journey. A lot of times – you're trying to get an interview with uh, someone who has been established or been a contender. Uh, but when you're, when you're getting somebody who is setting their goals and beginning their journey, this is really a good time to learn a lot. And so, you know, I kind of want to start this interview off a little bit. It's just like talk a little bit about where you're from 
and, um, you know, where you grew up and kind of share that, your story where you grew up uh, a little bit with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, and I grew up across the bridge, actually, in the West Memphis, Marion, Arkansas area, which is about 15 minutes away from Memphis, Tennessee. And it's kind of, it's kind of a rough area down there. So around the time I was nine, about 2002, about summer 2002, I ended up moving here to Wisconsin, me and my mom and dad, just for a new opportunity. And my great-grandma at the time was staying up here. And they loved it so much, and I loved it so much that we just ended up staying here. Unfortunately, my mom and dad aren't together now. But I've been up here ever since, and I've just been loving the atmosphere up here in the Midwest. But I still have that southern hospitality, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you now, Did you play? Any- I was actually a basketball player, believe it or not. And um, I played for I played from third grade up until about eighth grade, and a little bit. I played a little bit of freshman year, but my heart wasn't into the sport. And and then I thought I believed I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Believe it or not, because I grew up watching pro wrestling also. And the pro wrestling was kind of led me to transition into the MMA. But other than that, just the only sports I played growing up was uh, was basketball. And then I did a year of football and a year of wrestling my senior year and two years of track. Wow. So, and sometimes we don't equate that transition for basketball. Everybody doesn't know that, you know, basketball players want to get physical. When you start thinking about MMA, you think, well, these cats were wrestlers. They played football or whatever. But – how has the basketball background helped you in terms of obviously you got great athleticism and so and you know basketball's footwork. So how is how how would you how's your basketball background play well for you in, in MMA? I would say really the transitioning from the um the still being fast paced with basketball as you know, you're going up and down on that court, you know. And also mentally you gotta be prepared for everything that's coming your way, as you know, on the basketball court. They talk a little bit of crap on the basketball court also. So you can't let that get in your head. So mentally you just it just has I'm still I still have been on and just being able to adjust to that fast pace that in high intensity that you see in MMA. So, so I had a chance to kind of watch my first MMA fight, MMA fight in person here in recent weeks, and it's quite an event, uh, especially when you sit in ringside and you can see it. Yeah. Um, a lot of athleticism. Um, how did you? So you? How did you get exposure to this? And like, like, what was your decision making? Like, how did you come about and say, like, this is what I want to do? How, how did that process happen? Yeah, as I mentioned, I grew up a pro wrestling fan. So growing up, you know, watching Stone Cold, The Rock, The Undertaker, um, those guys were my heroes. You know, I know it's um, something completely different, you know, but that was something that I really, really wanted to do growing up. And I would say around, even when I was playing basketball, actually, I, that was something I still wanted to do. And I'll say around freshman year, I watched Brock Lesnar, as you know, who was a pro wrestler who trans- made the transition to UFC. And growing up, I also experienced bullying. I got bullied on and picked on a lot growing up. So I've naturally just had that anger and was always looking for an outlet to not only just make me make me feel feel cool and get along with everybody, but um, just to release and humble my own personal demons that were inside me. So when I watched Brock Lesnar, uh, ordinary pro wrestler, come in and become a UFC world champion, 
And then around the time he was getting ready to fight this little pudgy Russian named Fedor. And I started, I started watching Fedor a little bit and the guy just became my hero. And mm-hmm. right then and there, single-handedly, those two guys is what really made me transition into the sport of martial arts. I started messing around in the backyard a little bit and um, just really, really getting myself mentally invested into the sport. And next thing you know, I was addicted. I was obsessed with the sport. And, you know, I've, as you say, it's, it's taken off ever since. So, so how would you uh, – how was your training evolved? evolved? So I've, I've had a chance to watch you um, when I've done my training in Carbon World Health. Uh-huh. I know that's one aspect of it. But but how has your training evolved from the beginning to, to now? How, how has it changed? What have you learned? How is it, you know, I think most people don't understand that there's a, there's a number of amateur fights people are having. They, they associate that with boxing. But, you know, as I was watching the card, I was, oh, discovering that, you know, uh, how people are kind of prepped for a pro debut. So, obviously, training evolves for people as they grow. So, how did your training change Absolutely. from the beginning to now? Absolutely. Well, I haven't really told many people this, but actually getting out of high school, I was so obsessed and hooked on the sport that, Right out of high school with no training experience, I was just training in the backyard, <laughs> believe it or not. I was just – I was getting ready to take a fight, and luckily my senses kicked in and I didn't take the fight. But, you know, I mean, if, if that goes to show you, I, I was training in the backyard for a long, long time, and then finally I got myself invested into a martial arts gym where we weren't even doing – we weren't even training MMA at the time. We were just doing completely – just complete martial arts, and, the, and our art being the blend, the Fred Degerberg blend, which is a mixture of multiple striking arts and also weapon arts. Um we we just really didn't do too much into the mixed martial arts, and we were training on hardwood floors. My first MMA fight, I was getting ready for my fight on a hardwood floor on the, at the Wilmar Center. And, um, yeah, we really, I mean, and then at the time, we were only training three, four days a week, and I would go and go train with some buddies at their house, and that's how I got ready for my first two fights, three fights. Wow. And, you know, um, I, I suffered my first, my only loss during that time, and it was something me and my coaches really had to look back and look at and really mix martial arts. And for me, my coach, Master Lawrence Pearson, um, he's really, he's like a father to me. He's really, really invested. He's, we've been into in this thing since day one. And, um, hmm. you know, he's really been invested in me. And, you know, if we to go from where we were inside uh, – the Wilmar Center on hardware course to have our own facility to getting ready now to get a school, um, to get a new school. Um, things that's really, just really taken off. And now looking at my training, my training is more structured where, as you can see, I'm at Carbon World Health three, four times a week. I'm at my gym, Perfect Moves Martial Arts every day. You know, if I'm in on top of that, I'm putting in work at other gyms, I'm train. I'm training. I'm going outside of town to train with other people to get different looks with some of these pro athletes to see how these guys are doing it, and also where I'm not, where it's not foreign to me seeing these different looks inside of that cage. You know, if you know what I mean. So I'm, I'm yeah. all in, and I'm sacrificing everything I need to do, everything right now to become to get to where I need to be and maximize my full potential in the sport. It's, it's interesting you talked about having your one and only loss because when I was watching, uh, there was a couple fights and you know, uh, you know, um, and you could see these cats were very talented and they lost. And I said, you 
this is the moment because when you're an amateur and I, and this is why I was like, you know, people look at the UFC and they look at the kind of infrastructure and support cats get in that space. And they don't understand getting there is not that kind of support. Like you don't, you don't have all that resource, you know, you might be working during the day doing all this other stuff. And then you're, you're still trying to stay on your grind. And so when you take a loss, like you really got to decide like that you want this, like, so what when you took that loss? What did you what did you immediately have to say to yourself? I, I got to address this if I want to be great. Like what, what, when you were sitting in that locker room, when you were trying to think about your next step, like what what, what did you identify as something that you had to turn up a notch if you were going to get to your goal? Was definitely my I would say my grappling. You know, I, I got really really humbled thinking that I was just going to come in and be. I wouldn't say kind of a street brawler, but more of a brawler and be able to beat beat a tough guy who's right now he's one of the top guys in the Midwest and number one in his weight class in the state um, as far as being pro. Um, so I remember as soon as, as soon as I took that loss, just really, really reflecting back. I was I was kind of embarrassed, you know, because you I mean taking a loss yeah. is not easy and just really thinking about moving forward, what I need to do to not only be prepared for that caliber of opponent again, but beyond that also, you know, cause it's not about that. It's not about the opponent, you know, it's about where you want to go moving forward, you know? So there's a lot of things that need to be adjusted on my end and being in the back, I just remember just being, just really being upset when I was humbled. You know, I knew, I knew exactly what I needed to do. And I mean, I got right back on the battle, and we took a fight two months later against a um, against a really really tough guy with 16 fights, and that was my third fight. And I beat him in the second round, and you know, it it really it was a true testament to the work me and my team was putting in. But I remember going back going back to that fight and the loss. I remember just feeling feeling humbled and embarrassed. Well, you know, one of the things I noticed watching the fight, um, especially out of the Texas card, so you have um, um, amateurs who are more recent and early developing to more advanced fighters. And what you can tell the difference between them as you work up to the pros is even though mixed martial arts can be a, uh, uh, it can be a very fast uh, kind of experience, stuff can come at you, the the level of patience and control and and um, uh, refusing to panic um, as you go advancing, like could you? It seems like it slows down. Could were you? Are you able? Like, how did you know? How did you get to a point where you? Obviously, you're at a point right now where you're able to control pace and not be surprised. Because I could see some of the newer um, uh, 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 MMA fighters when they get into something that didn't look like a submission, but looked like it was a compromising position, there was panic. And the panic caused them mm-hmm. to be in a worse position. How did you get to the point where you were able to manage those kind of situations where you realize I'm in a bad situation, but it's not? How do you, how do you control that part of your game? Well, definitely as the fights, as I was taking more and more fights, I was definitely getting more experience with my cage control and also my patience inside of the cage. And I would say, I think things really, really started to click in after my first title fight, my first title fight, I won the fight, but I went in there and it was really rushed. And, um, 
I had six months until my title defense, which was actually around this time in April last year. And that's when things truly started to slow down for me. And I was able to think about my mind mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. I was, I was all, I was one inside that cage where I was able to connect everything together and think about my next two steps instead of just going in there and going, you know, sometimes with fighters, you'll get hit, you know, it's a saying where, you know, you'll get, you know, everybody has a game plan until they get punched in the face. And, you know, that's pretty much true, which is why you work your game plan. Do you, you just rep your game plan throughout your training camp so that, I mean, once you go on autopilot mode, it's just there, but, with me, things really started to click in after my first amateur title fight, and I was able to slow things down. And that's and at that moment is when we really started to look at turning pro and when we were going to turn pro. So you turn pro, right? And so now you have your debut. You're going to be fighting in Minnesota. Um, so a couple things I want you to talk about. How is this, you know, week leading up to this versus – what it was when you were amateur. Like, is, is there any difference? Is it the same uh, in, in this thing? And then a little bit about your opponent and um, what your opponent does and, 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 and what you just have to kind of watch out for and, and so that people understand, um, you know, where you're going to be fighting, what it's like to be in a fight week like this. You know, I see you doing promotions on your Facebook page and really pushing it, and yeah, I can tell you're getting ready. Um, you know, I saw you the other day. I was like, because I saw you before, and you were kind of just getting you were coming into it. And I saw you the other day. I was like, "Woo, that's what you look like in fight week." Like you were like cut, ready to go. <laughs> like it was business. Um, so, so you know, what 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 is it like? And then maybe talk a little bit about your opponent that you're going to be fighting, so that people understand who you're going to be fighting. It's good. I, I'm glad you actually asked me that because um, coming into this fight it's actually kind of similar to my first fight where I feel like it's just a, it's kind of a fresh start where I'm entering a new territory, you know, with my first amateur fight, the only difference is with this fight compared to my first amateur fight is obviously people know me and I've already had some fights, you know, but other than that, you know, they kind of feel the same. I feel like I'm a new dog coming in trying to make waves and I have a tough opponent who actually has had four fights his name is Kyle Walker. He's from Illinois, and he's a tough. He's a tough opponent. You know, if I had to compare him to some of my, some of my um, previous opponents, he's probably the hardest hitter. I probably I'm I probably face, and it's and when it comes to his boxing pedigree, I think he probably has the best boxing background that I have faced. Also, and he's a good. He's he's very aggressive. He's also he also has a good counter shots, and some of the things that we really, really worked on this camp is really neutralizing some of his best weapons while also just flowing and making sure that I'm implementing my own game plan, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the difference between pro and amateur is you have to, sometimes you have to stick to the game plan to win. You know, I've I'm, I'm never, win or lose, I've never been disappointed with anybody that has stuck to the game plan because at the end of the day, you know, when you fall off that game plan, that's when things really can go wrong, you know. And now going into this fight, it's really just sticking to the game plan and just doing what I do best. Wow. So you got a nickname. Tell people your nickname, man. 
Alton the Bowman Cunningham, the Bowman. <laughs> so, so, so how so, did you get um, that nickname? Yeah, um, I got that in um, high school. So it's actually it's a it's a funny story, but um, we had a substitute teacher one year. It was my sophomore year, and we were just trolling this lady. And I told her that I changed my name. And I was like, my name is Marvin the Bowman Beaster, and I just made just made something up from the top of my head and. That whole class, she called me Marvin the Bowman. You know, taking away Marvin, the, the whole class just started calling me the Bowman, and it was something that just kind of stuck around that time. We were, like I said, we were doing the we were doing the backyard fights around that time, where we were just um, we were setting up fights with, with gloves around around the school, and it was just a name that kind of stuck, and now it has a mystique. You know, the Bowman. You know, it's you know, it's, it's, it has a, it has an aura around it now, you know, and it just is 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 who I am, you know. It represents it represents who I am when I step in a cage. The moment that you know, I'm, I would say this, you know, you can see the transition from Alton to the Bowman as my fight camp goes on, and including this fight week, you know, it's part of me with with the weight cut, you know, even you know the weight cut makes you want to quit. You know, especially mm. when you got to cut sometimes 15, 20 pounds, maybe even more. You know, that weight cut, you know, mm. that can break you. And then you get to that breaking point, then you push past that and slowly, slowly start transitioning into the warrior, the beast that you need to be to, inside that cage, you know. And right now I'm in that phase where the bowman is coming out and he's hungry. Man. And I guarantee you Saturday, yeah. April 22nd, it's going to be, you're going to see the bowman. <laughs> well, that's what I'm talking about. This is uh, Alton Cunningham, Alton the Bowman. Um, you know, I, I said to you when I saw you the other day, I said, you know, uh, when, when you make it to Vegas, you make it on that UFC stage or wherever it is, don't forget us, man. Um, you know, um, you know, we're here for you. And uh, I could see it. The first time I saw it, I was like, and I, and I asked Dr. Ryrie, I said, this, this young man, like, he's going somewhere. And, uh, you know, everybody I talk to is like, you have the talent to make some noise. And so, um, you know, we're looking forward to good news. I'm looking forward to having an opportunity to, uh, to uh, be uh, at one of your fights, uh, to watch you fight in person. Uh, but let's start it out Thank this you. weekend. Um, you know, you got everybody here behind you. Um, and uh, good luck with it. And uh, Thank you. the, the Thank thing you. I love about you is that, that uh, I always say that, you know, the key to greatness is that you got to love the process. And if you, if you don't love the process, you can never be great. Just, it's just what it is. Absolutely. The end goal 100%. Is, and I've, yeah, every great fighter or combat person I've ever seen, you can tell they love the process. So one thing I say about Mayweather, people say, you know, when you watch, um, you know, that 24 seven or whatever about Mayweather, turn the volume off and just watch him. Like he's never out of shape. He always loved the process. Like you watch him work out right now. Work out doesn't look like a bad thing. He he's training. He loves training. He's probably still training, right? And, it's a lifestyle. Uh, <laughs> it's a lifestyle. There you go, man. And so, good luck with it, man. Tell folks where they can catch you, follow you. I know you got some shirts out there. Let folks know where they can catch up to you, uh, follow you, and uh, and uh, just if they want to if they want to track you. Absolutely. You can follow me at Facebook at Alton the Bowman. You can follow me at Instagram at Wolfpack Bow. You can follow me on Snapchat at Alton C M M A A L T O N C M M A. Once again, Facebook at Alton the Bowman. 
Instagram at Wolfpack Mo, Snapchat at Alton C MMA. I also have my website, AltonTheBowman.com. I'll have that store up sometime within a month where I have shirts and also other merchandise of, of the Bowman brand. And at the same time, I'd like to give a shout out and give thanks to my some of the people that mean a lot to me in my life right now and that helped me throughout this training camp with my team at First Moves, Mark Lawrence, my coach, Lawrence Pearson, Coach Tanner Nystrom, Bruce Pearson, Eugene Prisler. I like to shout out to these guys at Carbon World. I hope these guys have not only been like family to me, but these guys have definitely helped me and mold me as a young man and they are really investing to my future there at Carbon World Health, as you know, Devin. And I'd like to give a shout-out to my brother, Jerome Jansen. He just had his kid, and he has his boxing gym in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, J.J.'s boxing and wrestling. And, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Devin. Well, hey, man, we're going to have you on again. Uh, you know that. You know, uh, you fam. Uh, we're going to have you on again. Uh, we might even uh, we, we might even create a – some uh, some uh, podcast space where we can talk a little bit more MMA on a regular basis and get this energy out here. You know how we do it on RSG. We're underground. And we want to catch you on the way up, man, because, you know, I want people to know when they see you on a pay-per-view near them, they know where it all started, man. So good luck. Let's start it this weekend, right? Absolutely. Right? I'm hungry right now. Got to embrace the grind. All right. all right, brother. Well, thank you for being here. Good luck. And uh, I'll check in with you. All right. Be blessed. Thank you, Devin. We'll see you soon. All right, then. Good night. Good night. There he is, Alton Cunningham. Uh, he is uh, going to be debuting uh, uh, this weekend in Minnesota. Um, uh, I will be posting this information uh, on our Real Sports Guys uh, Facebook and on our uh, uh, on all our social media. You can have a chance to check him out, get links to his uh, page. Uh, you know, this is this is a young man that's going to make noise. You know, sometimes you look at somebody and you say they got they got the feel. They got the look. Um, they understand uh, what it's going to be to, 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 to get there. Um, and I can see that he's evolving as um, – and, and you just think – you listen to the way he talks about the process and how he's uh, evolved. I mean, he's really been thinking this through. And, uh, you know, um, you spend any time with him, as you can see, he, he's on his way. And I uh, – I love that we can create a platform to uh, provide exposure uh, for these young athletes as they're beginning their journey. You know, that's what we're trying to do here at RSG. You know, uh, there were times when we were going we to get that person that's already established, but, you know, we really build our bones on giving folks exposure as they, they, they are trying to make their way out uh, to this. So I'm happy. As we prepare to drop the mic um, and uh, think through some, some things here uh, to close out, uh, the show. One of the things I do want to say is that um, uh, all the callers were brought to you by Carbon World Health, uh, who is the, the total fitness solution. Uh, please make sure that you uh, uh, go to CarbonWorldHealth.com. As you heard uh, from uh, Alton, just all the things that uh, they've done to help change them. You know, they're working with cats like him, who are, well, I say, world class athletes to a cat like me who's trying to rediscover his shape. <laughs> they got a whole lens of folks in there, um, you know, get to the point where even my wife is looking at me and giving me the eyebrows. Um, uh, love that uh, they're working with them. And so uh, let them know that the, RS, uh, the Real Sports guys sent you. I want them to know that uh, we are prom- promoting them. And, and as 
as always, make sure you go to iTunes and, um, you know, you can subscribe and uh, catch all our podcasts. Uh, and uh, you can check out everything from the big show with myself, Phil, and Marcus. Um, and, you know, we'll have some special guests on that. Uh, Hustle and Flow, uh, Marcus and St. Cool, um, this intersection between hip-hop and sports. One mic with myself and Hank, um, which is, um, you know, uh, a, a way in which we're trying to also integrate um, our Inside the Park um, and baseball, and it's a great podcast that's evolving. Uh, we'll have a few more things we'll be dropping on the, uh, uh, on the, um, on the, on the platform. Um, but we've been blessed to, to catch a young cat as he's coming in. You know, um, we're at this time of the year. You know, it's playoff time. Uh, in the NBA, and, uh, you know, I, I believe we have some of the best in the business. Um, I, you know, uh, Marcus, uh, uh, the Game Changer of Flowers, is uh, one, of the, one of the best that I, uh, I, I know. I put him up against anybody in the business right now, um, uh, Marcus, because uh, he knows a lot, and I love this time of year and, and trying to uh, hear what he is bringing to the table. But it's LeBron. This is a time when we do all the MVP talks, and at the end of the day, um, LeBron James emerges. And, you know, there's been a lot of criticism about how Cleveland's playing defense or not. And what people fail to realize, this lineup has been together not very long. And, and as I see it, these early playoff series will be an opportunity for them to actually do some of the molding they needed to do during the season. Um, and uh, you'll see some of that stuff when they say he's close. Part of the thing is, you know, if you think about it, they haven't really been together as a unit very much, and so they're learning how to play together. Um, and, you know, we're on a collision course. And then on the other side, we're saying Durant is ailing. And I think y'all need to pay attention to that. If they meet in the finals, you know, Durant's not going to be healthy. And I think that is going to be a wrinkle we need to pay attention to. A healthy Durant might create some other problems. A Durant that's struggling a little bit health-wise you're going to see something a little bit different uh, on top of it, not having anybody uh, who can really control the, uh, the rim. I know they, uh, they have JaVale McGee, but, you know, he can get in foul trouble. So this is going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of great series up to the point. Um, you know, you can't take Houston out in terms of in, in San Antonio. I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy the playoffs. Enjoy it. Uh, check us out on RSG. Again, go to realsportsguys.com if you ever want to catch us again. Uh, but, hey, we've been blessed. Uh, until next time, uh, we're out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.